0: The following podcast is sponsored by superhero stuff.com. Sci-Fi for Me Radio presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is H2O. Welcome, everyone. This episode of H2O, my name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor at Sci-Fi for Me. And across the way, across the room, actually in the room this time. That's right. Sitting across from me, Mr. Timothy Harvey, the Hello. editor at HorrorForMe dot and uh, we've been kicking around this idea. This is something that came up during the the staff meeting for the horror team, and uh, we're we're thinking about expanding it out to uh, other uh, other parts of the site. A new uh, a new endeavor that we're hoping to introduce in July called The Essentials. And this is basically going to be um, a series of articles and videos that explain the essentials of a subject mm-hmm. as if uh, we're explaining it to people who have no, uh, no knowledge of that subject. Right. So the essentials of Frankenstein, the essentials of time travel, the essentials of HDLs, you know, that, those kind of things. So tonight is sort of an essentials edition we kind of we'll kind of play a play a little bit with with the notion here uh because uh, mr. Harvey is going to share with us the essentials of person of interest because he's been watching it and I have not and uh this it, we're in the last season there's only th- what three episodes left yeah. you said right and uh a lot of people, I don't think, realize that this is, at the very least, genre-adjacent. But in the last couple of seasons, it's certainly gone a little bit more into um, the sci-fi... Uh, well, certainly and, speculative uh, fiction. Art, yeah, and... artificial intelligence, and that sort of thing. So
1: Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because this is a show we've never actually covered on the site. Um, we have
0: not, and we probably should have.
1: Well, and I think that really... <laughs> <clears throat> For those of you who uh, who follow us on Facebook, Jason just published a lovely little graphic that shows how many shows we do cover. <laughs> and I think it's just one of those shows that, it, I mean, it started off very much like a procedural, right? Mm-hmm. And so that, to some degree, kind of took it off the radar, even though you know those of us who are watching it were enjoying it quite a bit. We were, you know, didn't we weren't necessarily thinking of it as a science fiction series, and it's just it has become more of one as it's gone along, right? And especially in this time when we are looking at, we see these news stories about companies developing, you know, robots that run at sixty miles an hour and can carry, you know, huge amounts of weight and are, you know, drones, drones, and all these different things. I mean, to in many degrees, we're living in a sci-fi future.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And and uh, what was it I was seeing the other day? Something something uh something came across one of my news feeds about a, a drone that um Oh I don't even remember what it was that this that this particular drone would do, but it was it was a crazy function. Mm-hmm. It was not it was one of those things where you're like they've got drones programmed to do that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um I'm 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 staying in the bunker. <laughs> well, you know, it's you know. interesting
1: because uh, uh, we keep, you know, we keep getting Terminator, re- Terminator rebootish kind of things that are um, disappointing. And yeah. you look at, you go back and look at the original Terminator film, and, and in it, it, some degrees, it's very much a product of its time. And the effects and the such—I mean, it actually holds up pretty well. Um, there's a reason why we're all such big fans of the original Terminator film. And to, to, and T2 is actually a really good film as well. But there's that argument has been made for a long time that if uh, Skynet wanted to actually take over the world, it'd stop making its Terminators look like people or shaped like people.
0: Well, I've, I've said for a long time that um, all we have left to have happened, is for Google to buy Facebook <laughs> because Google already owns the robots. Right, Google owns the the algorithms that will read your email and read your social media and 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 you know place the advertisements in sure. your in your way uh, based on your internet browsing habits and whatnot. All Google has to do is buy Facebook. And then when those algorithms read our status posts on Facebook, that's the end. I've said this uh, a number of times, I, and it won't even it won't even involve anything except that you know they'll they'll turn loose the robot dogs, and that's all she wrote.
1: Well, I don't think they need to do that. Little is a drone us. That's always the that's always the problem with the the movie versions of Skynet's Terminator Army is that they've all got. Two legs and two arms, they like uh-huh, people. Uh-huh. When, although
0: in Terminator Three they did have the flying the flying drones.
1: Yeah, but you would—I mean—you don't just build yourself a robot tank and and uh, quit mucking around with things that have balance issues. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we're 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 very interesting design-wise. We're we're very efficient, but we're also top-heavy. Yeah, and robots are some even, of us are middle-heavy. Yeah, middle-heavy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it's just it's uh it's a very curious. Conceit that we allow ourselves in the Terminator movies, but possibly because the real thing to do it the real way, the smart way, would be just like actually terrifying.
0: Well, I think that goes back to Asimov. I mean, the the notion of a robot—you've got Asimov, you've got uh, R.U.R. Mm-hmm. that story uh, where the the automated devices uh, have to interact with people, and right. so in order to be able to interact with people easily they look like people. I well, think sure. that's where the notion comes from and I think you you're you're stuck with that but I yeah, you're right it it doesn't necessarily follow that the efficient AI has to look like
1: us. Right. And I, there is there's actually a story to be told I think that that no one's actually currently done to give us that uh movie-wise to give us the the nightmare of an AI you know we're they keep, ta- they keep telling us that we're going to get a Colossus, the Forbin Project remake, mm. um, which in this day and age could be a very, very different experience.
0: Well, you know, Logan's run got a writer.
1: Yes, it did. Again. Um, which is interesting considering which version of remake is or ad- new adaptation is this? Yeah,
0: I yeah, it's been in devel- we, development hell for how long? Are
1: we in Google yet? I mean, Googleplex <laughs> numbers here? <I> mean, no. <laughs>
0: we're getting there.
1: Um which is you know as a fan of both the movie and it, the movie's a guilty pleasure because if you stare at the movie too long, you realize it's not very good yep um it's fun and it's 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 entertaining, and the costume and production design is is very much tied into that decade of production um but there's a certain there's a certain charm and fun to it, but it's very different than the book mm-hmm. and so I, I was reading a list of, of some of the movies at one point they were talking about making you know re uh, recasting Logan. As a woman. Oh. And I thought about that for a minute and realized that's a story where it doesn't actually matter what the gender of the character is. Yeah. That's the that's the least important, one of the least important things in that story. you got to get the world right.
0: Yeah. You yeah. Have, world you, building is essential in that movie.
1: And so it doesn't matter. I mean, you, you, you can cast that part with any care, Any actor could play that part. You just have to have the world they, they're in has to feel right and yeah. that's that's the i think the probably the the breaking point for all of these projects is getting that world right or getting the world right in a way that didn't feel like something we've seen before um because where it's almost it's almost the kind of film that that John Carter was often discussed as being it it was the first story or mm-hmm. one of the earlier stories in that kind of genre right and there have been films since then that you don't want to sit there and go, hang on, didn't we see this? Yeah. Um,
0: Except without John Carter, you wouldn't have any of the rest of them.
1: Well, I know, and that's just it. It's it's. See, uh, and that
0: comes down. You know, that comes back to Disney's marketing was just.
1: Oh terrible. yeah, yeah. No, it, it really. Uh, we've we've said it before that that all Disney had to do was sit there and say, without John Carter, you would have no, dot dot dot, and yeah. then spend the next. So, have no actual footage of the film. Just list the just list the things that came out of it. Is the trailer
0: speaking of speaking of which with Edgar Rice Burroughs? Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, yeah, I don't know if maybe it was this week. Um, they announced that filmation, the filmation version of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes, mm-hmm. is coming to DVD and Blu-ray. Really, yep. Interesting. And I read somewhere the description that said. Um, It's the most, it's it's one of the closest, more more faithful adaptations of the Tarzan stories than anything else, live action or TV Mm -hmm. or any of that. This this filmation version of the of the character is more faithful to the original stories.
1: Well, and that's he Tarzan's a tough one too because when we were when when those films were coming out in the early days of gosh when the when the first tarzan film was wow th- uh, I want to want to say 40s maybe the 50s
0: uh maybe earlier than that it's
1: probably, yeah I I have to look that up but the the things you could and couldn't do with effects the things you could and couldn't show with with the story in terms of in terms of the culture of the time. Mm-hmm. It's a tough story to crack. And and a lot of modern takes have struggled with the fact um uh, that it portrays an Africa that kinda never was. Um it was certainly uh like a lot like a lot of the it's like you know the uh, Howard's she or, or the lost world, or all these different places where the 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 environment is as much a fantasy. You know, the name the name of the location is real, but the location itself right. never quite existed. And we are modern audiences don't seem to do all that well with fancy, with all that fantastic versions of real places. When we're especially when we're talking live action, I mean, Disney can still get away with it. Yeah. Um, although I read today. Uh, an interesting article on who the real villains of Frozen were. Oh? Yeah. It's uh, it's not the prince who turns suddenly with no real reason to behave that way in direct contradiction of all his behavior <laughs> the rest of the film. It's like he was manipulated somehow. Oh. And it was the troll's. The trolls. The trolls are behind it all. Really? Yeah. Yes, it's all part of their cold war against Anna. So, <laughs> <clears throat> pun intended. So, yeah, it's um. So Disney get, Disney gets a pass because Disney's built up that kind of of uh, uh, wiggle room, and certainly that you know we've we have this soft spot for Disney. Disney can do a lot of things uh, that a lot of other studios can't get away with. Yeah. So, but. Something like Tarzan or or something else set in in the fictionalized Africa's or or South Americas or well, s- can well, struggle sometimes with with the fact that if you know your history at all, yeah, uh, you know that the, those places never quite existed that way. Tarzan
0: sure. Tarzan the Ape Man, Johnny Weissmuller, nineteen thirty-two.
1: Thirty-two, yeah, that makes sense. I guess that's yeah. Yeah,
0: but all of the all of the stuff you know like Cheetah mm-hmm. and and Boy and all of that. Not, none of no, that's not in the in the books, right? Right. And and so the the yeah the filmation stuff apparently is the most faithful. I'd like
1: to see that. Looking forward to It'd seeing interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah.
0: yeah. So because filmation also did Star Trek. Yes, it did. I ran across. I think it was Dayton Ward had been posting a bunch of stuff from the archives from the, from the Roddenberry archives. Mm-hmm. There was a letter that DC Fontana wrote to. Some TV critic yeah. at, uh, I don't want to say TV Guide or the New York Times or something. And it was, this, it was almost a full page letter <laughs> to this critic talking about how the Star Trek animated program was not a kiddie show. Right. It was not dumbed down, it was not uh, a lesser thing than the live action. And she went through all of these points about. It the science and the drama and right. most of the actors are back and all the production value and all those other stuff. who would do that nowadays right uh
1: the folks behind young justice <laughs> <laughs> oh that's still painful it hurts hold Break. the door fix it fix the problem um the oh,
0: by the way uh we did we did a panel with Nolan North and Troy Baker at, yeah pa- at uh, planet comic con Nolan North is ready to, to do it. Young Justice Season 3, he says, bring it on. Oh, he's, yeah. he's ready to go back. I, yeah. I think everybody is. I think
1: they would. I think that, that show really did have, not only did it have a devoted fan base as viewers, um, and yes, about half of them were women. Good. um, But also, the the crew, the cast and crew, really yeah. loved the show.
0: And I, I wonder, I have to wonder, and I know we're kind of wandering about right now, but I kind of wonder... If Rebirth over DC Comics mm-hmm. will make it easier to make that decision, whether it's Netflix or somebody over at Warner Brothers Television, Warner Brothers Animation, some, somebody has to flip the switch. Somebody has to make the decision. It
1: certainly could. I think you know it's, it's interesting because the next big DC animated project to come out is Killing Joke. Which is going to be the first rated R DC animated picture,
0: and it's also the first one to come out since Rebirth went right. back and and you know Jeff Johns is sitting here talking about legacy and tone and going mm-hmm. all the way back to Watchmen and and basically yes you're integrating all of this dark stuff mm-hmm. but the way it's the way it's reading early early on it's going to be. Um, a conflict between grimdark and the lighter, more hopeful comic book stuff. That, that's the DC Comics of legend.
1: Well, and I think I think it could even be broken down even cleaner than that to hope versus cynicism. Yeah, and
0: and Killing Joke is very much in that second camp.
1: Yeah, and it's it's an interesting story to tackle, and it's a tough one. And I was reading today that that Bruce Timm said that there, this is the third time. They've taken a shot at it, mm-hmm. and the first time um, was oh goodness, what was the what was the reason it fell? Out? Oh, the first the first time was the the uh, watch the film Watchmen didn't do as well as they'd hoped, so the suits got skittish with a, with a rated R uh, animated feature. Sure, and, and then the second time was the Dark Knight shooting. At the... At Colorado. At Colorado. Yeah, okay. And they were like, um, we don't want to put out a film where the core emotional impact is a shooting.
0: Sure.
1: Um, we don't want to do that.
0: Well, that makes sense.
1: And I I, I fully agree and support that decision. Absolutely. Uh, it would have been a very, very bad, bad time to do that. But it's also, it's a tough one because that, that film does something that even Alan Moore has looked back and said he wishes he hadn't. Had Barbara shot. Spoiler alert for a comic that's older than some of our children. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, but some of our not small children <laughs> are, are, are younger than that comic. Um, so it's, it's a. Hmm. It was a very traumatic experience for readers, but it was also a traumatic experience for the writer in the sense that he didn't. He wishes he hadn't even written that part of the story Mm -hmm. and then dc made it canon because there was you know there was this is also the period of the elseworld titles yeah Yeah. so it's it's had it but it also led to oracle and one of the first disabled characters in comics to have that kind of profile yeah um so much so that when they rolled out the new 52 and they and they gave barbara the ability to walk again fans sat there a lot of fans sat there and went what are you doing Yep. As much as we want to see Girls swinging from the rooftops again, what are you doing? You've made you've made the character important through not only the you know the fantastic writing that they she had Oh, good Lord she had a lot of great writers. Uh, uh, Gail Simone the, on top of them, yeah, in yeah. the Oracle years. So it's always been a con- it's been a controversial circumstance, no matter what. So yeah. it's now they, I know that they have expanded more at the front end of the movie to show more of Barbara as an active hero. Yeah. Which I think is going to be good. And that's also going to make that shooting scene that much worse. For yeah, those of well us who yeah, cuz you've got to add the to character. the
0: you've got to add to the emotional resonance because Barbara Barbara has not been in the animated stuff very much. Right. So yeah, you've got to you've got to you you've got to build up to that and you've got to earn that scene.
1: Mhm. Um,
0: and that's something you know, all of the all of the DC comics that we talked a little bit about um, uh, what's been going on over Warner Brothers over on the latest Rogues Gallery. Yeah. And as we progress closer into it, I mean, because they're still they're still reorganizing going on over there. Oh, sure. And we've got news about uh, the new Batman movie, uh, what the story might or might not be about. Uh, uh, Jeremy Irons making some comments of all, the, all of these different things. We have the trailer for the for the all new, all expanded rated R Superman movie. Uh, Batman 5 Superman thing Mm -hmm. whatever so all of that stuff and we're going to be talking about that over in the next Rogues Gallery which we'll be recording very soon Uh, and that's also here available on iTunes and on podcast.com for those of you who have never listened to that Uh, that's our DC Comics uh, podcast and uh, we do invite you to listen so okay so the essentials of person of interest we touched a little bit on artificial intelligence and robots and Terminators and that kind of thing Give, give me, for, for those of us who have not followed the show, not watched the show, right? give me a basic rundown of what the show's about and where we are going toward the end of it.
1: Okay, so at the risk of giving a few spoilers, we'll try and keep it as spoiler light as possible and still talk about the broader themes. Because this is, we are in the final episodes of the entire show's run. So it's had a five-year run. And so, but this, all the episode, previous episodes are available out in the various platforms, and I highly recommend going to check them out. Um, if you are if you're a fan of procedurals, this is fits certainly at least in the early days, very much in, in the procedural uh, framework. But it's the kind of show that actually benefits from watching it in order, although the early days are very episodic. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because
0: you're doing your you're doing your your world building, you're doing your mythology, you're, you're coming up with
1: arcs exactly. And the longer the show goes on, the more it becomes uh, character driven and big idea driven. So, in the initial days of it, um, you have a ex CIA agent uh, named John Reese uh, who is kind of kicking around doing the things you have to do to survive when you're basically supposed to be dead. And he is hired to do a job by a little bookish man um, named uh, uh, Harold Finch to basically serve as his muscle for a series of jobs. And the jobs involve, they have a number... They've been given a number from an, un, an, unusu- an unnamed source. And that number is the social security number of an individual. And something is going to happen to that individual. And they are their job is to try and stop the bad thing, whatever it is. And so every episode you would get a new number and a new character to interact with. But there was also, especially in the early days, there was the mystery of where the numbers were coming from, um, who Finch really was, because Finch's name was, uh, Harold Finch is an alias. Um, Reese is a former spook, so he's more curious than he ought to be, but he's very, very efficient. And the city...
0: And Reese is played by Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel, Caviezel.
1: yeah. And uh, Michael Emerson. Uh, plays uh, Finch for those for the folks the fan, who are folks who are fans of Lost. That sentence was more hard to say than it needed to be. Um, he was he was uh, Ben Linus yeah. on, on Lost. So he's the bad guy, the bad guy, and an extremely effective bad guy on Lost. For all the flaws of that show, um, uh, Ben was always creepy as all hell uh, in a really interesting way, and Finch is. Finch is damaged. He's a damaged. Physically, he's damaged. He uh, he walks with a limp. He can't turn his head, all the way. And he's quiet and eccentric, and very very uh, stingy on details of his past. So in the initial season, you have this setup of trying to do the save the individual people through the course of the numbers, and the procedural aspect and the mystery of the characters, right? And as it expands, you actually have a character who is. They start interacting with a larger world. So they, um, uh, uh, Taraji P. Henderson, who's over on Empire now. Okay, right. uh, She gets involved as a police detective. Um, uh, She's going after Reese. She's going after Reese, right? She's actually hunting him down. And um, then there's an. uh, She's her partner uh, is oh for heaven's sake! I've just completely forgotten his name. Uh, uh, Kevin Chapman. Uh, Lionel Fusco is her partner and they're part of the task force that's hunting down the man in black. Because, of course, in the course of stopping all these things, they're tend to be leaving a lot of bullet holes and buildings and people. And bodies. And bodies. Yeah, it's, you know, the police get a little grouchy when vigilantes (laughs) show up. um, Depending on the show. Depending on the show, that's true. Uh, And unlike Gotham, um, the Gotham of... (laughs) The Gotham of... The real Gotham and yeah, person of interest uh, has uh, competent police, but also it has corrupt police as well. There's a storyline that runs through a good chunk of the so- uh, series is that there's a corrupt influ- uh, uh, core of the police department that comes back to haunt them. Yeah. Over the course of the series, especially and very quick, relatively quickly, we find out that Harold is getting this information, these numbers, from a machine that was designed after nine eleven to help predict. Uh, who should be the targets, the persons of interest? Hence, the title um, in terrorist attacks, and it was meant to be a way for the government to look at its citizens and figure out who was going to be the danger.
0: Right, it was a preemptive thing.
1: Right, and this is a and and so you had the argument uh, fairly early on of.
0: And of course, this all flowed out of nine right. eleven, and Patriot Act, and, exactly. And
1: and, and there was that for those of you, of course, who, who are old enough to remember those that day, those days very vividly. There was a huge debate after that. It was how far do we go, and that debate's still not over. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where do we where do we draw the line in how we respond to these things? Where are our, our freedoms? You know, how much can the government look into your records, your personal stuff? With,
0: without any, any reason for wanting to do so.
1: Right, yeah. How much, how much data can we be trolling without your permission? Right. right. And so it's a question of constitutionality. It's a question of personal liberty. But you can very easily see in the days after 9-11 someone saying, hey, we can build this machine that can do this thing. We should do that. And you can also see that the people involved... It's
0: a frenzied decision that leads to consequences. Right,
1: and, and it also leads to the debate that whether or not you should be doing this as the machine is being developed and built and is actually working. But the discovery that basically... And, and more of this develops, and I'll try not to keep too spoiler, spoilery here. Um, over the course of this, we, just, we learned that Harold... Harold had a partner in building the machine. Harold was the code guy, but the guy who had the money... The guy who had the business, the, the way to interact with people, um, the business skills. Uh, as they built the machine, they discovered two things. One, it was going to work extremely well, and two, it was it was very very good at its job. It would it would it had no trouble finding people who were who could easily be identified as potential threats. Hmm. But there was a side effect. It was also finding a bunch of people, the numbers these these persons of interest, who the machine listed as being irrelevant. However, several things pointed to them being either soon to be a target of a murder attack attack, or potentially a murderer themselves, or there were markers indicated these people needed to be looked at, but it was outside the restrictions of the terrorism mandate. Right, okay. And Harold and his partner looked at that and went, well, they aren't important. They're irrelevant. And the word of relevance comes up a lot in the course of the show. Harold's partner decides that they shouldn't be irrelevant. That they're people. And that if there's something something's going to happen to them, we should try and stop it. So he starts to start trying to do that on his own. And he builds a back door into the machine. Hmm. Things go wrong. <laughs> what a surprise. What a surprise. Because inside... The government. Um, there is an agency that looks at what the machine can do and sees possibilities that are less about saving the country from terrorist attack and more about controlling people. Mm. Um, absolute power. Absolute corrupts. It, it's the oldest story, one of the oldest stories in fiction that if you give basically something the power to look out into the world and say, this one. Mm. You know, so people you know, pe- people can be bad. What? It's it, what? <laughs> all you have to do is go to the comment section of every internet site except ours. It, well, <laughs> that's not really a complaint that their comment section no, of our that's, internet that's site that's is. Although, not bad. although
0: we did get, I did get one on uh, just recently. Uh, just got a, a a comment on my interview with Helen Slater yeah. from Planet Comic Con. 2011, a little while 2012? ago then. Yeah. yeah, so it was a while back, and it was a very, very brief comment. Uh huh. Beautiful interviewee, terrible interviewer. That's all, that's
1: all. It's like well, thanks. Sure. But hey, at least it wasn't you know some of the terrible things that that the oh god I I'm I'm a political season. I find political season very interesting. I, I look at several <laughs> political sites. I every now and again feel the terrible, stupid I, urge to I go to the comment even, section.
0: Yeah, I don't even, I don't even look at any of this. And it. I gotta tell
1: you, um, I have never seen uh, uh, a hive of
0: <laughs> scum <laughs> and villainy, villainy in the comment section of <laughs> on either ev- side of on everywhere. Side,
1: yeah, um, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that if you go go find like a Catholic monastery web page or a nunnery or <laughs> someplace where there's, they'll just be more creative with someplace it. where there yeah. are kittens well see, here's the, <laughs> the, the this thing, time of year especially
0: um well n- not after the gorilla um huh. y- you have um you have these things even even on the on the comic book pages you know like news aroma comic book mm-hmm. resources um uh, it, it it quickly for the for the most part, people are fairly restrained and they're mm-hmm. and they're well reasoned. But you get that one, that one troll, the the internet, the you know designated troll of of the site, right? Who's always there just to cause trouble? Oh yeah, just throw the rock in the water. Oh sure,
1: type of thing. And and the, and a lot of those, they throw the rock in the water and then they leave. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Or they stick around just to see you know what kind of reaction they get.
1: Oh yeah, there's and
0: then they just and then they just egg it on. I you know, I wouldn't mind having a comment nemesis, just <laughs> just to have just to have one.
1: Uh, you know? sure, okay.
0: But yeah, why not? Let's let's start with just regular comments in the forums first, because you know we don't we don't get a whole lot of that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Depending on the show, now we do we do get some uh twelve monkeys. We get some good discussion on twelve monkeys. Yeah. We get good discussion on grim mm-hmm. and uh the librarians. Yeah. Generally, those are the those are the top three as far as having any kind of comments or anything.
1: Well, we got we got more likes and I think more comments back on the old WordPress platform for some reason.
0: I'm I'm wondering how much of that was real people and how much of that was artificial intelligence. Well,
1: you know? see, unlike because unlike it's keyword driven. Well, sure, but I think that I think there's some of it that, but I think that we also got, you know, we would actually get more comments that where people are actually saying things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. And for whatever reason, when we switched it over, um,
0: yeah, we, we, nobody followed.
1: Yeah, it was very strange.
0: Yeah. Um, speaking of which, if, for those of you who who have been paying attention, or if you haven't been paying attention, we we recently went through a redesign mm-hmm. uh, and and launched this early May Sci-Fi for Me four It's a new layout on our website sci-fi for me com, and we're we're still tinkering with it. We're still, you know, figuring out what section goes where and what piece goes where. Right. Uh, so if any of you have uh, feedback that you'd like to share with us, you can go to our contact page and leave us a note there and let us know what you think about the new site design. Because uh, we'd very much like to know what you think about it. We've we've had a number of people compliment us on how professional it looks. You know, it doesn't look like a blog anymore. It doesn't look like some amateur hour at the at the internet type of thing, so well, that's good.
1: No, I like the design. Yeah, I well, do too. Good. I
0: think I think it, it makes us look more like the Washington Post, <laughs> as opposed to, you know, Johnny's Corner comic book rant.
1: See, that's actually would be kind of a fun. We need we need to see if that site is available. I know <laughs> we need to see if that site's available. <laughs> comic book
0: corner bay rant. Can't say it ten times. I best, know. Though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, remind me, uh, I'm not going to spoil it here, but, uh, I'll tease it. Mm -hmm. Uh, we were shooting a new episode of Salacious Crumbs with uh, McKenna Riley the Mm -hmm. other day, and she's got an idea for a segment to go into Salacious Crumbs. Does she? (laughs) That's going to be so cool Mm -hmm. and fun, but I'm not going to tell anybody about it yet. All right,
1: cool, 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 cool. Something to watch for.
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, and and there is a new salacious crumbs coming to uh, Sci-Fi for Me TV very soon. We've got mm-hmm. it shot. I've just got to find the time to edit episode thirty-one. We're just cranking them out.
1: Oh yeah. Hey, if you guys if you guys have not seen really taken a look at what we've got over on the video and the podcast side, yeah, we've got a lot of good stuff.
0: We do. We do. We have uh, oh seven or eight podcasts we've got a couple of shows that are that are semi-regular on the video side of things um ton of shows that we recap
1: yeah i've got some i've got some other podcast ideas i spend way too much time in my car for work (laughs) and and today i i i reached the point i have i have listened to every podcast podcast that I have found that I wanted to listen to. Oh? I mean, I, it's, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm scratching the surface on podcasts. I mean, oh, there's sure. There's so much stuff right. out there. Right, right. But that first initial batch of like five or six podcasts that mm. I found, I've gone through all the episodes, I which see. in some cases is ridiculous. It's like 73 episodes? I've listened to 73 episodes <laughs> of this podcast? Oh, my God. Um, yeah. So I found more today. <laughs> so, sure, right, because you know I'm in the car all the damn time. So, but uh, there's there's some interesting stuff that, and some of the stuff that we've actually we've had some editorial meetings, and, and Jason and I, and some of the other folks have talked about various and sundry things, and and some of the stuff on the fiction side of things, and our own storytelling that we've had discussions about, mm-hmm. and things like that. So, and some of the the. Mm, so speaking of essentials, some of the essential short story stuff that actually is public domain kind of things that we could do our own recordings. Of. So anyway, so there's yep. there's some neat stuff that had been bopping around in my head today. All right. Um, and well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to bop out to a break. That's right, because we need more and coffee.
0: We're going to get more coffee. And we're going to let you hear from our sponsor, superhero SuperheroStuff.com, where you can get a hero box. I think, uh, I don't know if it's still Robin Nightwing. That was the last one I checked. Right. Um No entries in our hero box giveaway. Oh no.
1: Yeah. So I'm kinda
0: kinda disappointed in that, which means maybe we could just keep it. Hmm.
1: hmm, hmm, hmm. (laughs) Hmm. No, we should find (laughs) someone to give that to.
0: (laughs) We'll be right back. This is sci-fi for me radio.
1: Where can you get the latest cool superhero
0: and sci-fi merchandise? SuperheroStuff.com! From t-shirts to keychains to cookie jars and everything in between, Superhero Stuff has added more buyers to the staff, which means more stuff, which means more for you to choose from. And
1: don't forget the Hero Box, the must-have superhero mystery box. A $70 value, just $49. Visit SuperheroStuff.com today and gear up with your favorites. SuperheroStuff.com! where heroes shop. I'm meteorologist Brian Busby. If you're traveling to a convention this weekend, especially if you're a cosplayer, it helps to know what the weather's gonna be like. Rain and fur don't mix very well, now do they? That's why every week, Sci-Fi For Me gives you the weather forecast for every city hosting a convention those we have on our list anyway. And that's worldwide, not just in the United States. It's part of our commitment to bring you content you won't find anywhere else. Just click on the conventions tab over at scififorme.com, your portal to the science fiction multiverse.
0: Whoa, where'd you get that shirt? Bought it at the convention last week. It's an Atomic Cotton design. Atomic Cotton? Yep, they got
1: t-shirt designs from sci-fi, horror, cult films. All the shirts were really unique and fun. I had to get one.
0: I gotta wait for another convention, though. Nope, AtomicCotton.com. I ordered a shirt. Shipping was super fast. Atomic Cotton, where Erica and Zach combine their passion for art and film to create wearable art. All
1: original, made with a love for the genre. Coming to a convention near you very soon. Or find them on the web at AtomicCotton.com. Atomic Cotton, shirts and art for fans by fans.
0: Star Wars fans, McKenna Riley here, inviting you to join me for the latest news, rumor, and innuendo from a galaxy far, far away. Salacious Crumbs, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Back on H2O, Jason Hunt, along with Timothy Hardy. Hello there. And we have mugs full of coffee. We do. Continuing our essentials of person of interest.
1: Right. And one of the things I want to talk about here real briefly is about the cast. If you if you did not watch the show and you're trying to think to yourself, okay, we got the guy. We got we've got lost. We've got uh, Jim Caviezel from a lot of different things. Um, He was uh, goodness. He was in last Last Temptation of Christ. Christ. Uh, No, I'm sorry. He was in the Passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, He he played he played Jesus in the Passion. Um, He has been in. He's done quite. He's done quite a bit of genre work. Um, He's actually a really good actor. Mm. He was in the uh, he was in the unfortunate, especially considering the cast remake of the Prisoner from a few years back. Oh, he right, played, where he right. played he number six. Yep. And what a wasted opportunity! What a wasted cast! Yet Ian McKellen is number two, mm-hmm. and Jim Caviezel is number six. It's like, how could you guys blow this so bad? And they did. It was really sad. But um, for this show, um. You know, you have uh, uh, Taraji Henson has went on to do Empire, but she, of course, was also in Goodness, uh, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and uh, the Division, and Boston Legal, and so just all kinds. of – I mean, she's she's very fine actress. Has mm-hmm. uh, done quite a quite a lot of work, uh, and she was a she was a very important part of the show for several seasons. And uh, Kevin Chapman is one of those character actors. Uh, who plays uh, Fusco? Who is you look at him and you don't sit there and and think of him visually as one of the hero types, right? But he's one of those characters you quickly realize is that he's he's the ordinary guy who is the hero.
0: You know who he reminds me. Of? You know who he kind of looks like hmm. he looks like Joe Santos. If you were going to redo oh, redo hey. the Rockford Files, yeah, okay, he could he could play. I think you uh, could do that. He, yeah. Right? yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but you may for folks may know him from Rescue Me. Uh, he was on that. Um, he uh, uh, he was in Clint Eastwood's Mystic River, um, uh, and a lot of other stuff. But he's one of those great character actors who's got one of, just one of those great faces and a mm-hmm. uh, great voice. Um, but uh, uh, Amy Acker uh, played the character Root, and Amy Acker, of course, is a genre actress in many ways. She's she's done. She was on Angel. She was on Alias. She's built up quite a fan base within the genre community as it is, and she played uh, Root, which is a almost a female version of Harold of Finch. She's she's a programmer in her own right, uh, and she's a little crazy, like they are. Yeah, so she's uh, she's an example of uh, we we've, we've talked about tropes a lot on this show. She's kind of the crazy hot. Uh, you know, the or the sexy nerd, or the femme fatale in some ways because she's...
0: I, I really hope Aunt May fits into one of those. Oh, I'm sure she will.
1: I'm sure she will. It's, it's, it's almost impossible not to. Marissa Tomei, I mean, come on. Um, so it's... <sighs> she, <laughs> Did
0: she, I just derail you? No, well, no? just a minute I, there because okay, okay, my yeah, brain but, Mr. Right, is amazing, yeah. beautiful. Anyway.
1: Um, and so the interesting, thing about, the interesting thing about Amy Acker's character, Root, is that she is kind of a chaotic lawful character she's initial
0: oh, there's a reference uh, a yeah there we time. go so oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> and the D fans know what i'm talking about um <laughs> especially the older D D fans but the the interesting thing about her character is that she starts off almost as an antagonist and in the course of the show develops into something else and it's a very interesting and rich character and, and it's built up quite a fan base with a lot of genre fans, for that very reason, she's a very well developed character. She's a fine actress and does a really, really good job with this.
0: She was also the cellist, Audrey. Yes, in in, uh, in Agents of Shield.
1: Yes, she was
0: instead of Wanda Maxima.
1: Yeah, and that's and okay. the cellist. Yeah, so that's. Um, I would. She could. Okay, now that the show is coming to an end. She can go over and play on Agents of Shield. I'd be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Make this make this happen, Marvel. Make it happen, um, because more Ecker, personally. Um, and then we have um, uh, uh, Sarah Sarah Shahi, Shahi. I believe her last name is Shahi. Um, I think that's
0: I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, as
1: Samin Shaw, who is kind of the female version of Reese. She's a former agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the interest. One of the really interesting things about this show, and and Shaw is an example of this. That that kind of crosses. A lot of the characters. All of the characters on this show are damaged. They're all broken people. Um, in one way or another. And none of them are heroes, per se. You don't... I mean, there's... None of the characters on this show are coming to it from a purely noble reason. Right. They all have... They, their lives have brought them to points where becoming part of this team the agents of the machine uh, working for Harold trying to save lives, trying to do the right thing is not places that their lives would have taken them to organically. Right. They. It's kind of like he's collecting strays and the people that need to some degree, the doing this saves them as well. So it's an interest everybody in this show to some degree is on a redemption arc but it's not usually quite that clear. It's not like, oh, this is how I will save my soul. It's more like the reason that they are able to become the people, that the, the heroes of this show, is that they have lost the important things that they need to get back. It's actually really well done in terms of character development.
0: Their pain drives them.
1: Their pain drives them, but it also makes them capable of caring about people that they have no reason to care about yep. you know these innocent people that they uh and sometimes not so innocent people because the machine only figures out the ones who might be in trouble it doesn't mean they might not be in trouble for good reason um that's been one of the interesting wild card things of the show is that every now and again it's like oh we're protecting a murderer how did this happen you know <sighs> um because you know hey it's all data. And the machine can only see so much. Right. And the interesting thing is, again, we we have a show that where the artificial intelligence, even though it is a bunch of numbers and zeros, which um, the more the show develops, the more you realize the, sh- the machine has a personality and a viewpoint and a mindset that is really, once the show starts really addressing that, we start finding ourselves in the... Science... Okay, well, okay. there's there's a few distinctions here. We have science fiction, science fantasy, and speculative fiction. Okay. And science fantasy is often taking... Um, taking the technology and the science and then going... You know, okay, Doctor Who is, in, in some degree, science fantasy. Star Wars. Star Wars is science fantasy, right. Um, science fiction, of course, is... Uh, often, something that you look at is a future based thing. It doesn't have to be. Some of them can, of them can certainly be happening now. Yeah. Um, speculative fiction is often taking the technology that we have or the science that we have and going, okay, if A, then B, B being some crazy place that we're going to take it to. Um,
0: yeah, it's, it's an extension of the possible.
1: Of the, uh, the possible right past, now,
0: past the probable, right, yeah,
1: and so this is this is very much that kind of thing, where it's a speculative fiction with elements of science fiction, and say again, probably a little bit of science fantasy, but it is very much a looking at the technology that we have, and because it started in in two thousand and eleven, it was kind of before all of this explosion that we've had in robotics and AI, so they were actually ahead of the game. The more the show was on the air, the less fictional Mm -hmm. it started to look. Right. Um, And the revelations about various things with data dumps and hacking and all this information that people have suddenly found themselves, you know, not as secure as you thought. Mm -hmm. Uh, So much of the show is about the fact that we think of ourselves uh, as being far more secure data wise than we actually are. And you and I have talked about this quite a bit, the fact that the world has changed very, very fast. And part of the reason I think that we are not as secure as we'd like to think we are is that it wasn't that long ago when it was all paper. Yep. And,
0: and I still have a lot of that around here. Oh,
1: so do I. <laughs> but the thing is, is that it could actually be a nightmare if you lost the paper in your life. Mm-hmm. It can still be a nightmare. This is no, don't misunderstand, but yeah. now our big fear is not losing the paper. Now our big fear is that we're on the wrong database. Yeah,
0: or, or the hard drive crashes,
1: or the hard drive crashes, or the database gets corrupted, or someone hits the wrong button, and our name is misspelled, and we can't get our insurance. Or I mean, there's so many different ways that the data mm-hmm. can betray us.
0: My my best friend in high school had the same first name and middle initial as his father.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: And I I couldn't begin to tell you how many times the government got them mixed up. Oh, sure.
1: Well, because at the end of the day, it's people. Yeah. And this is one of the core issues of of a show like um, Person of Interest is that there are agencies and individuals in the course of the show who discover the existence of the machine or a part of the government because the, mach- the premise of the show is that the government still has the machine. Huh. This is the Harold Harold gets all his information through the back door.
0: Right, he's not supposed to have access. Right,
1: yeah, they're not so they're not, you know, this is this is something that is not supposed to be happening. He's just using the machine for his own purposes even though the government's using it for its purposes but there are people who there's a lot of people are looking at the machine in various different ways in the course of the show and it's kind of an an interesting array of what humanity is going to do there are folks who are looking at the machine as being a way to control people and m- manipulate things for the terms of power or or some of them some of them are willing to do terrible things in the name of good the idea is that you know yes we will we will take away the liberty but we will save people you know we will we will betray what what they want us to stand for think of
0: the children
1: but we'll save them think right? of the children and yeah. uh, this is you know this is this is the core of every dystopian nightmare i'm going is... to
0: save you by cutting out your brain
1: you're right and it's yeah. it's you know if we will we will it's the argument of true safety the w- the only way i can make you safe is if i lock you up mm. and save you mm-hmm. from the world and what we've... was it
0: that, uh, that Ben Franklin said those, those that, uh, it was, it was a, it was a quote about, uh, liberty and freedom or liberty and safety. And, uh, if you're willing to give up liberty to have safety, mm-hmm. then you're going to end up with neither. Yeah, yeah, but... I mean, I'm paraphrasing. But... Right.
1: Well, yeah. And that's, and that really kind of is, that really kind of is one of the major discussions of the show is... Where is the line, Mm -hmm. okay? Because because Harold and Reese and the rest, they are routinely violating the privacy of the people they're trying to save. They're hacking their phones, and they're pulling up their, you know, Harold is hacking into their lives. And they're the good guys. They're the ones who are, they look at these folks and say, I have to know this so I can keep you alive. Mm -hmm. But when they're done they literally walk away from all this information. They don't, you know, this isn't stuff that Harold is storing. He right. remembers these people, and if he needs to get in contact with the one again, he can still do it. But they're, you know, they've opened their lives up in a way that somebody who's had, say, identity theft might find really, really disturbing. Sure. But they do it to save their life, and they're done. They don't take advantage of that. So that's, they're the white hats in this, whereas the folks who are, uh, and, and there are multiple levels of gray, all the way from from there, no, nobody's completely pure here.
0: Like, like you need to have in a well written complex
1: story, right? It's very hard to have a character who is pure good everywhere because we we it's, we don't uh, we know a lot of good people. I mean, you and I could sit there and, and spend and you know two or three different shows talking about the very sco- good people that we know, mm-hmm. but none of them, I think, we're gonna I would any of them. We sit there and go, they're about the purest human being I can imagine, right? Because they're not Captain They're, America, maybe. Yeah, well, not anymore. Seagull. Hell Hydra,
0: <laughs> the mo- uh, movie cap. Oh yeah, the movie cap. Movie cap.
1: Well, until he, he, anyway. But yeah, I mean, there's I know <laughs> all the things they could do. But anyway, yeah. you no, know, yeah, it's you because that's not humans, right? And that's and that's okay, right? Yeah. We're all, we're all a little bit gray. We're all a little bit damaged, and that makes us interesting. In fiction, it's you know, and you hear this, you hear this sometimes in. A way that you want to grab hold of the writer and shake him, uh and they're adults, so you could do it. don't do it to small children, <laughs> but it's like you're like superman's hard to write because he's too pure, or captain marvel he's Shazam now in the in the d c comics yeah. you know you know he's too he's too good it's like okay, look you're writing him wrong then yeah, because you're you're losing out the humanity of the character, the nobility you can keep and still keep the I, humanity.
0: I saw something in a comment thread the other day because they were talking about. Uh, they're talking about Rebirth mm-hmm. and some of the different things that they'd like to see coming out of Rebirth. One of those was the Marvel family. Yeah. And I saw a comment in, in a discussion board. I think it was on Comic Book Resources talking about you know, the whole Shazam Captain Marvel thing. Yeah. And the the comment was that DC has Shazam as the title of the book but the character is still referred to within the text of the stories as Captain Marvel. Mm. They're not calling him Shazam in the comic books in in the stories themselves. Oh good. Which I yeah, that that was that was comforting to know that they hadn't done that. Well, and for, for
1: those of you who don't know, there's just a whole there's a terrible backstory to the name Captain Marvel. Mm. It has been <laughs> litigated. <laughs> oh yeah, and and we're just talking about the two. We're, we're not even talking about the characters named Captain Marvel who aren't the Captain Marvel from DC and the Captain Marvel from Marvel Comics. So there's actually although, been, a, there's although been other... The
0: other... the other Captain Marvel who's now Marvel Man, Miracle Man, Marvel Man, Captain Marvel, is, yeah. is owned by Marvel now.
1: Right, but there's another one. There's, there's at least one other character named Captain Marvel. It's just... He was an android that came apart. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, wow, really? <laughs> so it's a name that... I mean, if you think about it, it's a really cool name. Oh, sure. Yeah. Captain Marvel.
0: But but Captain Marvel that's at DC right? originally was at Fawcett Comics. Right.
1: And it, he and was the first he's one. He's the first one.
0: And you would and think. And it was the Wizard
1: Shazam, yeah. Captain Marvel, uh, and the other Marvels, the Marvel family.
0: Yeah, Captain Marvel Jr., mm-hmm. Mary Marvel. Um, who was the uncle? I can't remember Dudley. his name. D- uncle Dudley. Yeah. Yeah, all of them got sh- part of Shazam's powers.
1: Right. And then, of course, we had Captain Marvel over on the Marvel Universe, who was the Cree uh, space hero. Yes, um, Marvel. And Marvel. And then, after he died, in one of the most interesting and early, real looks, serious looks at mortality in comic books, characters have died before, but very few. No character had had a Jim Starlin written. Graphic novel exploration of a character dying of cancer. Yeah, um, it was pretty groundbreaking at the time. And then after him, there was Marvel from the Ultimate Universe. There was a uh, his son, Genus. Oh yeah, um, and all these different things. And then yeah, and then we of course we have uh, Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel, which. Casting news. Potential Br- yeah, casting you. Brie yeah. Larson. I'm okay with that. Little younger than I thought, but I'm actually okay with that. You
0: know, and that's what people seem to be latching on to, the fact that she's 25-ish, somewhere around there. Yeah. And the average age for somebody holding the rank... Uh, that Carol Danvers has in the comic books is around thirty three, thirty
1: four. But we could also have a character that grows into it. The, char- this, the hero name could be Captain Marvel. Yeah. But the character itself could be earlier in her career. Well,
0: Carol Danvers. Okay. Carol Danvers is a. Is she a major?
1: At this point, I'm not sure.
0: I don't know. I well, what, what was she when she got the powers? Because she started off as Ms. Marvel, right? And then.
1: I don't remember. Yeah, I well, honestly I totally don't. Bad. Yeah.
0: Those, those of you out there who are who are screaming at us the answer, yeah. <laughs> uh, You can send that to H two O at SciFiForMe dot com. Hopefully, by know. the point we'll have looked it up. But yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so it's too bad the show isn't live. I know. One of these days, uh, maybe. Yeah. So it's 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 interesting to see all this stuff unfold. I'm I'm actually kind of excited to see that we may be closer. I mean, as much as I love Katie Sackhoff, and I think it, I think oh she, she'd be good. She would be good. Yeah. I can also see that...
0: A lot of people still holding out for uh, Rosamund Pike. No. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Uh, Emily Blunt.
1: Well, I'm you know, I ahead. think Emily Blunt would be a great choice, too. The mm-hmm. thing is, is that I have not seen anybody who the major names about. that I sat there and went, no. They, they've been talking to some really quality actresses to play these parts. Right. And I'm excited about that. So we'll see. But, um,
0: And we'll get more in-depth on that. on level eleven seven. Yes, which is another podcast. That's right. Here on iTunes.
1: Speaking of, you know, since since we're since we're plugging our other podcast, sure. If I could just point out, Zompocalypse now. (laughs) uh, Dustin Adair and I record. uh, It started off as our Walking Dead podcast, uh, Walking Dead: Fear of the Walking Dead, Um, but we also just thought, you know what? Let's just have it be everything that we want to talk about. Well, Um,
0: it, it. I think. I think if you if you got into uh, a supernatural-ish umbrella. Yeah. Then that covers preacher.
1: Yeah, so and then I can, that's, and, and, I can
0: look at it sideways that way. Yeah, and, 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 and that's and that's where we are now. Covers. We're
1: covering preacher right now. Um, we are talking about potentially covering Outcast, which is the new you know interesting series.
0: Interesting that you mentioned that because Sam Sentman just sent me a note asking me if anybody was going to cover that.
1: Well, Sam actually sent me a note as well talking about potentially doing like a maybe monthly podcast covering. Um, looking back at the previous month of, like, say, Penny Dreadful. Sam mm. doing his individual reviews when he can, because he's got yep. some time constraints. But also, just, he, he wanted... He's almost cut up. He said that he wanted to talk about the two of us doing a, a, a look back at the month of Penny Dreadful. Oh, okay. And I thought to myself, you know what? That is actually not a bad idea. And it could still fall into this Apocalypse Now sure. podcast, I think, is the, is the overarching title for our our horror podcasts and then and then individual pieces so we've got the got the dead ones we've got the preacher one and we've got because because all this stuff is going to go through seasons so um but uh we well and and to loop back around to talking about person of interest um you know we've had technology discussions uh at various points in various podcasts a lot of it you know we've had on uh uh Dan Handley has written some technology columns for us We've mm-hmm. other other writers do the technology stuff for us too. The interesting thing about this show is it's, and why I really encourage folks to watch it, is not only the fact that it's a great cast, and it's got a cool dog, by the way. <laughs> dog named Bear. Um, the dog is adorable. We all love the dog. The dog's Probably not going to make it out of the season alive, just a spoiler there. We've already started to lose characters. It is the final season, yes, I will not tell you who they are because you haven't seen the show yet um i will I will say, however, that in this time of many people being very keenly aware of tropes and some sloppy writing mm. causing people to sit there and go, "Hang on, yeah, and get a little upset, a
0: little upset a
1: little upset, yeah. Um, a situation has occurred in the final season of Person of Interest which could fall into that area, and it's handled the way you want to handle it.
0: You know what I think we should do? What's that? We should come up with a show on our YouTube channel. hmm And it'll be... Uh, it can't be TV Tropes because that's the website. But right. It if we take... <clears throat> Uh, we get people who have improv skills,
1: right? All right, and we know some,
0: and we do a ten minute, a, a ten minute scenario, a ten minute scene mm-hmm. where we hand them a card that has five genre tropes on it.
1: <laughs> Go. Okay, this could be a lot of fun. I like this <laughs> idea. Let's 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 work on that because that could be a lot of fun. I think so. Because unfortunately, what we see, what we have seen, uh... now,
0: now I actually want to do that.
1: Well, I think we should the here, here's one of the problems with having this embarrassment of riches for programming for in the genre fields, whether it 's horror or science fiction or fantasy, and the fact that you can actually say you have fantasy programming again, which is uh, certainly was a dry spell for that for a very long time. yeah the fact that you can have all this great programming means that unfortunately some of these shows will fall into tropes much easier than others
0: yeah, and some of that is some of that is shorthand mm-hmm, you get sure. into you get into that cuz we saw a little bit of that with agents of shield at the very beginning yeah. um and some of it is depending on what kind of story you're wanting to tell what direction that story has to go in order to get mm-hmm. to a certain end point sure there are certain things that have to happen in the story, and those generally fall into the tropes because that's the kind of thing that's expected to happen when you get from point A to B to C.
1: Right, and you also have to bear in mind that just because something falls into a trope doesn't make it bad. Right. The things that we talk about when it comes to tropes, the reason it becomes... I mean, if you go to TVTropes.com and look at any show, any film...
0: Did you see their... um, History of the American Doctor
1: Who. No. Oh, thanks a lot. Now I have to go home and look at that. <laughs> Fine, but so, well, that's it. I, TV Boy, We
0: still have to come up with our article on the American Masters.
1: That's true. Yes. Um, and we you can find our article on uh, uh, which Jason did a lot of the heavy lifting on, by the way. So I say R, but he, there was he most. Of the it's work. a team effort. I know, but you did most of the work. <clears throat> the um. Our, artic- our article yeah, on that is a lot of fun, and we we definitely encourage you to take a look at it yep. but it's okay it's okay to have tropes it's okay because tropes uh, we talk about them when when they've been when they're used badly there's so many there's only so many ways you can tell certain kinds of stories you're going to fall into a trope no matter what oh
0: sure i have I have said on a number of occasions and I've run into this actually myself when i'm writing a story because mm-hmm. i've written Star Trek stories getting ready to submit them and there's the episode that does just what I've done, and right, and yeah. I, I even I even tell James there you know, there are there's no such thing as an original story. There is only an original ish combination of elements because by this time you 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 know the stories have been told over and over and over and over and over again, and mm-hmm. as we see with the reboots and the remakes, nobody's coming up with anything original, but. You, in in the general consensus, the mindset, you know, the, the hive mind that is genre fandom, people are going to come up with similar ideas half a world away. Oh, sure. Just because it's the nature of the beast. It is It is where people will sit and speculate, like we had talked about before uh, on Pinterest. Mm-hmm. Uh our Pinterest boards are all cosplay all the time. But as part of as part of following all of the Marvel stuff, whenever I pin any Marvel cosplayers, I get all this Marvel stuff that pops up in the feed. Oh, sure. A lot of it's headcanon, uh bland Marvel's headcanon, you know, all all these <laughs> different things. But I see a lot of things in there that are theories about why this happened in a movie, and here's some explanation mm-hmm. of this, and Bucky does this, Chris is this, and you know, oh, not Chris, um, uh, Cap, Natasha, you know, and and all of this backstory mm-hmm. that fans come up with to fill in the gaps. Sure, and a lot of times you'll see stuff back and forth that you know somebody somebody over here comes up with an idea, and somebody else builds on it, and they come back to this, and, and it just. And it just expands exponentially. Mm-hmm. That's where that's where storytelling comes from. That's oh, where yeah. the you know, when the fans do that enough, then they end up with fan fiction. And then that ends up with fan films. And somebody like that who, you know, maybe like a Ronald D. Moore or Dayton Ward or Kevin Dillmore or somebody who, who writes it for fun then has an opportunity to hand it somebody who can who can decide they do it for sure. for profit. For
1: real, yeah, and it's the 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 core stories are are ancient.
0: Man versus man, man versus himself, man versus
1: nature. That's right, and everything is a variation of that.
0: If you passed your English
1: class, <laughs> you would know this. <laughs> but it's the way we put the elements together. It's the way we find new ways to tell stories, mm-hmm. and and the, the, we've talked about this before, and we'll talk about this again. Sadly. The fact that you can it's a, i don't I don't have a problem with people doing remakes I have a problem with people doing remakes lazily, yeah. We are going to retell so much. So much of what we talk about now is modern myth. Okay, Star Trek is modern myth. Batman and Superman are modern myth. Mm, right? They're the right, Hercules sure. and Zeus and 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 all the different things that you know, they're Robin Hoods and the King Arthur's. There, that's what this is for us yeah. for for this time period. Right? We retell those stories over and over and over again. We will Star Wars. Star Wars is going to get a reboot. In fifty years,
0: it kind of already did.
1: Well, yeah, and, sort of. And and, and you know what? That's a generational thing, right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So right. that's that, and that happened. That's the way we're storytelling animals. That's what we do, and that's the way we keep doing it, year after year, century after century, because that's what that's how humans tell
0: stories. So let me ask you this real quick. We've yeah. got the we've got the young Han Solo in place. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. The actor. Hmm. There's rumor that he's going to show up in a cameo in Rogue One. Okay. He's got the reshoots and stuff going on now. Um,
1: hmm. what are the
0: odds that at some point down the road, say another fifteen years or so, give him time to age up to the point where Harrison Ford was in in the first Star Wars movie? Sure, and that's when you remake it with everybody else that's been recast.
1: I tell you what, I could see it happening, and I would also say it's a be a terrible, terrible mistake. Not because I don't think it could be done well or that it might not even, that maybe it even should be done. Because, again, modern myth, we retell the stories. Mm. It's the kind of thing that could lend itself well. And I realize there's a whole, there's a segment of our audience. People that, just broke a bunch of things. <laughs> well, right it's there. like You're the torches. The they're, they're, they've got the torches. They've got a light dare them. You, Harvey? They're looking at the castle and thinking, yeah. we're gonna burn the monster. But, but again, It's myth right and we're telling those stories but here's the thing you have to give time mm. and it's almost like a three generation thing and i've been thinking about this i almost think it is three three-generation. so it's about 60 75 years
0: yeah but for star wars we're already in fourth generation fourth and fifth generation fans
1: yeah but but we're also we're we're telling new stories in that world with those characters mm-hmm. you got you're going to have to have you're going to have to have Harrison Ford be gone Mark Hamill be gone Carrie Fisher be gone You're not, as long as they're alive, you know, you saw what happened when they tried to kill off James T. Kirk. Okay? Yeah. How did that death go? (laughs) Anybody remember how James T. Kirk died? Anybody want to remember a different death? Any different death? No. Um, And we already had a generational show change on television. And nobody was satisfied with the way Kirk died. Uh, Least of all, I mean, The actor. Yeah, but... didn't like it. Uh, the fans hated it. Uh, I mean, Malcolm McDowell kills you. You don't die by having a bridge dropped on you.
0: Well, and Malcolm McDowell even said, "Oh yeah, it's a terrible death." Yeah. Um, I mean, it's Malcolm
1: McDowell die you. You, 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 you know, we could have had James Kirk get like stabbed by Malcolm McDowell. That would have been like, ooh. but anyway. And then they both go over the edge. Exactly. All because kind of, you have to fall to your death. That's a also that's a that's a yeah. trope requirement of all deaths and villains, but could it get could it get remade and should it get remade it certainly could should it um if if it really has if it really does pass into our modern myth if it really is that for this for this culture mm-hmm. um and it, and it kind of has become part of America's myth you know it's it's that kind of cultural thing right that yeah but it'll have the same kind of reaction that the Star Trek reboot has it's going to have the same kind of reaction that every time we do something that's really big that way the trick is
0: i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna parse out a little bit of my reaction to the star trek reboot it mm-hmm. wasn't really so much the fact that they were rebooting it
1: mm-hmm. because
0: i can understand you know you know shatner's in his 80s d kelly's gone james doohan has gone mm-hmm. you, you know at some point you can't do anything with your original right, cast because right. they're i mean now nimoy's dead I, I I could I could understand the the logic and the thinking behind. Okay, we're looping back from the next generation era. Sure. In a time travel thing, that's our MacGuffin to get us back to reboot with the younger cast. Right. Okay, that's fine.
1: But it didn't feel like Star Trek. It wasn't Star Trek. Right. And that's the concern that's going to happen with Star Wars yep. is that when we get to that point, because. Star Wars. We've talked about we've. You you can find a couple of three, four podcasts where you and I talk about this in Mm -hmm. our podcast history, and look them up, folks. They're very entertaining where we talk about this, and we actually sound smart doing it. We do because we're we're not embarrassingly dumb um, most of the time. But
0: I have a degree.
1: (laughs) So do I. (laughs) The Star Wars was at a time. It was at a special time in storytelling. it was a special time for the country hmm. and if you think about the if you think about the the world we had just come off a really difficult war yes um
0: economic well, times were
1: bad yeah I mean it was all the, there was it was the country was kind of prime and you can look at some of the films in the 70s and early eighties that really I think come out of the whole you know Vietnam Watergate those things really hurt us culturally I mean that was uh those are like you know stab wounds in the country at various points we had the economic problems we had the oil crisis we had uh um we had uh the the whole thing in Iran I mean all these different factors yeah and so you had these films like Jaws and Star Wars and on the horror side you had the first Halloween uh you had The Thing you had all these different things that were they were they kind of hit at the right times. Blade Runner in the eighties, uh-huh. you know these. It was a really rich period for genre storytelling, but a lot of that was the environment it was in. Yes, Star Wars made in nineteen eighty six would have been a very different movie. Well, Star Wars it, made in it, nineteen
0: it it was because <laughs> you know eighty three. Well, Return of the Jedi eighty three. Right, but it if, was very different from sure. the first one.
1: But 1960, 1966... Star Wars would have been a very different movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, 1972, Star Wars probably would have been a very different movie. Yeah. So it's just, you know, it's so it's hard to capture that again, right? And I think that the, I think one of the things that they tried to do with A New Hope, uh, well, oh, I'm sorry, Force Awakens, <laughs> <laughs> well, is recapture A New Hope. Yeah.
0: And I think they did for the most part.
1: But they also sat there, and you could tell, and they talk about this. They'd very deliberately aped, echoed, copied the structure mm-hmm. of Star Wars.
0: Which actually kind of goes toward Mike Klimo's uh, ring theory uh-huh. it discussion, does. because if you follow the pattern, mm-hmm. then we're setting up our next sphere. Right. And, uh, you're going to follow the pattern. If it follows the pattern, mm-hmm. you know, Force Awakens is a new hope. The next one, Episode Eight, is going to be Empire.
1: Except that,
0: and the Episode Nine will be Jedi, and you'll you'll get the resonance, and the and the the rings will start to form for those three, and then you get the other three on the backside of it. You'll get a, We'll get another six movies, and you get another another circle.
1: Sure, but we're also going to. We're also telling side stories now. So Rogue One. Is that? But it
0: doesn't have to fit into the ring theory.
1: Oh, but but think about it. It kind of it's the second film. Oh, well, it's you a sec, know, It's no, the second no, actually film. Actually, it does, because and it's Empire.
0: It'll, it'll have to be. You're right. You're right. It'll I have, know. Because it'll have to be on the on the other side.
1: And there is no way for it not to end at the same down note. Empire does. Yeah, there is. Uh, no, it
0: does. It, well, you're saying it does end on a down. Right, exactly. Right.
1: Yeah, it's going to have to. Yeah. It'll so have yeah, to. it's it, it's.
0: You're right. You're right. Yeah. Rogue, so we'll see Rogue what happens. One, Rogue one's going to be empire.
1: I think so. So. Mm. <laughs> I know. How, do we,
0: how do we get on that topic? You were talking about person of interest. Well, I know, but well, but
1: this is what happens. See, and I think that uh, we we digress and we and we go on side trips. But oh, so yeah, let me bring let me bring around and and. But we
0: didn't put the windows down.
1: Let me bring this back around to person of interest, and then and and we'll we'll go out on this because I want you to go watch the show. I think that I think you should do this. You guys, you folks, the the show I, is available. I need to watch it. The show is available on uh, all the, a lot of different platforms. And is I it say, on Netflix? I believe so. Okay, but it's certainly available on on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, and it's worth binge watching. Uh, it's been really really hard waiting for the individual episodes of this season. Because of where I know it's going, and it being the final season, hmm. this is a show. This is a show that flew under the radar um, for a lot of folks. It had decent ratings. It had never had blowout ratings, right? And but and it, it didn't is,
0: have super mega watt stars,
1: right? But it is it has been solid genre storytelling more and more every season. At the end of the day, this is a story about ideas, and um, it's about the idea of creating something that. We do all the time. We create a tool to make things better and the consequences of making that tool. Um, we created, you know, whether however you feel about, about gun rights, um, the gun is a tool. It can be used for a limited number of things, but that can be used for good or for ill. Right. A car is a tool. It can be used for... You know,
0: yeah, the machine doesn't define its purpose.
1: Right. But the question that we've seen debated a lot in... in the, well, certainly in, in the public sphere and in science fiction for a long, long time is what is artificial intelligence? What does it mean to have a new kind of thinking, a th- an entity that is outside us that we have created? Mm-hmm. What will it do to us? Right. Will it supplant us? You know, that's why we have films like Terminator and anything with a machine uprising or an AI taking over the world. And we get, to, we get horror stories like I have no mouth and I must scream. Which, well, which is even, still one of the most terrifying short stories I've ever read. You even get
0: some of that stuff in in, 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 in the comic books. Oh, sure. Because Batman came up with Olmack. Oh, yeah. What, and, happened, what happened there?
1: Right. And, and so a show like Person of Interest manages to look at all the different angles. Mm-hmm. Because, spoiler alert, um, there's more than one AI in the course of the show. And depending on the person... Depending on the people around it, the focus of the AI, the alliances of the AI, the alignment, the good, the evil, mm-hmm. the, the, um, the roll, empathy.
0: Roll the dice if it's a negative six, they're, they're a lawful evil.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there's, there's a question of empathy. Right. And one of the things that, that I think makes us human is our ability to care about other people. And the question is, if you build a machine that can think, can you build a machine with the ability to care? That's and, a good question. And that's one of the questions a person of just tackles, and tackles extremely well. So if you are looking for a smart, solid adventure series, because it's a lot more than adventure series, that has science fiction concepts, that has one of the most, com- a, a very well-developed character that you never hear the voice of, or do you? Mm. Um, and a great cast, and some great science fiction ideas that are played within a very serious way. Um, person of interest, it's coming to an end. Uh, I wish we, I wish I had started covering it all those years ago, but it didn't really have a reason for us right. to do it then. Yep. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna be sorry to see it go.
0: And if you're interested in finding other podcasts about genre, mm-hmm. you are more than welcome to join uh, all of our uh, all of our different shows. You can find them; just look for "Sci-Fi for Me" over on iTunes or uh, Podcasts. dot com is where all of those are hosted. And of course, there's an archive we've got. Uh, several of our shows are uh, on our website uh, in, in various different places. If you have thoughts about Person of Interest or, or anything else that we talk about on any of our shows, you can share your opinion. Uh, or a
1: show that we should be watching and we're not talking
0: yeah, about. Yeah, let it. us know. What is what is it that you want us to cover that maybe we're not yet? Yeah. Uh, send us a note, h2o at sci fi com or leave us a comment on all our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, YouTube, Tumblr, and Twitch.
1: Which, New on Twitch. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I saw I'm, your note. <laughs> I'm
0: starting to. I'm starting to wonder if maybe that wasn't a good idea because. Yeah, I, I, it, yeah,
1: I don't. Yeah. Let's know. just say there's a lot. There's a lot of things that are out there that want, s- want you to believe they're artificial intelligences. We're and, starting to get or they're at least get, their intelligences, but they're certainly yeah, artificial.
0: And, and I don't know because because <laughs> when we started promoting our Twitch channel on yeah. Twitter, especially. But also on Instagram, Um, we're picking up followers Mm -hmm. on those two channels more than anything else. Where it's clear that it's not a real person, Mm -hmm. but um, they would like you to think they're a real person. Of course, sure. And go see, um, go see my website. Uh huh. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jim Dandy. Um, So that, yeah, that. I'm thinking, was it worth it? Well, you know, I, if, and in I, all, you know, so, I I only so far our Twitch audience is not that big, so we could we could still roll it back. But uh.
1: I post I post maybe two or three pictures to Instagram, maybe two or three a week, right? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't post a lot, and there's been a fair amount of of spam bot, yeah, female things that yeah. want to, yeah. But okay,
0: so <laughs> so don't be a spam bot. Let Please. us know what you think. And, uh, and share your thoughts with us. We are, we are happy to read your email. We are happy to read your comments. And uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you very much for joining us, Tim Harvey. Always a pleasure. And my name is Jason Hunt. On behalf of all of us here at Sci-Fi for Me, we will uh, uh, be back with another episode next week. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2016 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Lenin Dog Media. This is Sci Fi for Me Radio.